In dieser Zeit befahl Kaiser Augustus, alle Bewohner des Römischen Reiches in Steuerlisten einzutragen. Eine solche Volkszählung hatte es noch nie gegeben. Sie wurde durchgeführt, als Quirinus Statthalter in Syrien war. Jeder musste in seine Heimatstadt gehen, um sich dort eintragen zu lassen. Caesar Augustus issued a decree. That's how the story of Christmas starts in the Gospel of Luke. I mean, we might have heard this story hundreds of times. I don't know the kind of associations you have with the Christmas story. I feel that sometimes, you know, with the whole Christmas lights and the presents and the family festivities, like this story becomes a little bit irrelevant or cheesy for us because we've heard this story so many times. And maybe you know this story from the latest nativity scene that you, you've been seeing at the school or somewhere. So tonight I brought you the, a picture of my first main role in a nativity scene. Are you ready for that? That's the picture. Where's the picture? There it is. So you see that my parents, they're probably the age that I am today, my sister She's the angel, and yes, I'm the donkey. So I'm right in the middle of the picture. You know, I'm not quite sure what my parents were thinking when they gave me this role. Probably they thought everyone should take the role that he can do best. Or they thought, how could we keep him silent during the play? So they put a blanket on me, and I played the donkey. Well... To be honest, I got over it. It took some years. And uh, still today, when I see a donkey, I, I just shivel a little bit. It just gets me, you know. But no, of course, after this role, I just knew that I was born for the biggest stages of this world. So you see today how far a donkey can get. Just don't stay there, and if you take one step at a time, even as a donkey, you can achieve something in life. No, just let the fun beside. Um, when, we, when we think about the story of Christmas and we look at this first sentence, I'm not sure if you realize that in this first sentence, there is there a huge storm that is about to explode. God in the storm is the topic of today's message and I'm not quite sure if storm is an association that you put to the Christmas story. 
So first of all, let's think about how does a storm develop? A storm happens when two different pressure areas are are clashing. So you have a high pressure area and a low pressure area, and because there needs to be a compensation of pressure, you have this air going from one high pressure to the low pressure. And now for the advanced learners. There's a force called Coriolis force. I just give you that as a, you know, because you can use that in due time. If you're on a date and you want to impress your date, just tell her, look at the sky. Can you see the Coriolis force happening here? You know, Coriolis force occurs because of the rotation of the earth and because of that the air it leads the air into a spiral move and that's how you get these hurricanes and these things it's because of this coriolis force so you learned at least something today but what i want to say with that is that pressure means there's two different areas of different pressures that are coming together. And in this story of Christmas, in the first sentence, you have the low pressure of the Roman Empire clashing with the high pressure of the Kingdom of God. 44 BC, the Emperor Julius Caesar was killed. And after that, the whole Roman Empire fell into a period of war, of bloodshed. Until 31 BC, Octavian became the sole emperor of the Roman Empire. He was the first uniting the whole empire. It's about 60 million people in the Roman Empire at that time. And he became the sole emperor over this empire. And he received the title Augustus. This was a title that was given to him. And it means the exalted one. The one that is to be worshipped. You know, it's like a divine title that he got there. And he was the adopted son of the murdered Julius Caesar. And one of the first things that he did when he came into power, he declared his adoptive father to be God. So that's what the Roman did with dead emperors. They declared them to be God. That means that from this moment, Caesar Augustus became officially son of God. So if you ask in the Roman Empire, the people, who is the son of God, the political correct answer would be Octavian, Augustus. He's the son of God. He had this title in his name, Divi Filius, son of God. And the hope of the people lay on his shoulders. People were expecting him to bring peace prosperity. And for the people, he was the one bringing the golden age. He was the great deliverer that people in the Roman Empire had been waiting for years. And exactly in this time, Jesus was born. In this low pressure of the Roman Empire, the high pressure of the kingdom of God is coming on earth. Already 700 years before this time, the prophet Isaiah said the following. We heard this word at the beginning of today's celebration. It's Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. So what he declared there is, is the following. For to us a child is born, 
To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So there's a second one claiming this government and this peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. So you see what happens there. The question is, who now is the real Messiah? Is it Augustus or is it Jesus? This was the clash of these two kingdoms in this first sentence. And that's what I call the spiritual storm. You know, till today, when you stand up for your faith, when you stand up for Jesus in your classroom, in your workplace, with your friends, you're telling them that you're visiting church on a Sundays, you suddenly realize there's storm happening. There's something happening in the unseen that you think is totally irrational because it's just a church. I mean, I'm, I'm believing in God. Why are you acting like this? We don't have to be surprised that on a spiritual level, there's a storm happening when we're standing up for the kingdom of God. Because there's another side, there's another pressure that comes towards it. And this brings this storm into our life. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had some kind of a bad guy having a concert in this hall. His name is Marilyn Manson. Maybe you know him. He's the guy down here. Not me. I, I look okay. But he is the one. He's like a... a yeah, it's funny. It's not so funny. He's um, known to be associated with the Church of Satan. And um, he played in this hall. You know, we don't have anything to do about the renting of this hall during the week. So we couldn't do anything about it. We didn't find that very cool, but it happened. But you can't imagine how many telephone calls I got. The media, all the media, Blick, oh, they made, like that's from, from the main uh, newspaper from Switzerland. They wrote these stories about, what do you think about that Satan singing in your church? I was like, come on, give me a break. But on the same time in that week, on the day of the concert, no joke, it's 10 years that I've been now on the leadership of this church. In that week, I had the most terrible conflict that I had to go through with some of our partners. By accident? I'm not so sure about that. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying this this afternoon that we need we see demons behind every door i just say we don't have to just be foolish and think that there's no reaction when we're actually making the name of jesus great and we need to be ready for that you know the bible tells us that we're not fighting against flesh and blood we're fighting against these powers and principalities. So we need to be ready when we go into battle. We need to put our armor on. We need to be prayed up because there's something happening behind the scene that is powerful. And Jesus said that to his disciple in, um, in John 16. He says there, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have 
overcome the world. So, you know, on the one side, don't be naive. There will be storms, but we have God on our side. And so, you know, we, I had people calling me up, telling me, you know, when Marilyn Manson leaves this hall, he will keep some stuff in here. It's kind of spooky, but don't look under your chair this afternoon. There might be something sticking to it. You know what? When we proclaim the name of Jesus, everything else has to leave because we are on the winner's side. There's the Spirit of God in this hall and He can do His thing in there. But if we go here and we proclaim the name of Jesus, there's a different power. And that's the power of God. And let's go into our everyday life knowing there are storms when we stand up for our faith, but we have the strong God on our side who is stronger than every other force that comes against us. That's what I call a high-pressure area. So we're talking here about a spiritual storm, but if I look at the story of Christmas, I see there's also a very personal storm. The personal stor storm of Joseph and, and, uh, and Mary. Let's look that on the next video. So reiste Josef von Nazareth in Galiläa nach Bethlehem in Judäa, der Geburtsstadt von König David. Denn er war ein Nachkomme von David und stammte aus Bethlehem. Josef musste sich dort einschreiben lassen, zusammen mit seiner Verlobten Maria, die ein Kind erwartete. nice walk I don't know about you but again I mean we're thinking about the nativity scene and we see they're just going for a walk to Bethlehem with a donkey and I know how the donkey feels on the walk <laughs> I've been there I've walked away <laughs> but you know if you go put yourself in the shoes of Joseph and Mary Do you think Joseph had different plans for his life? Maybe he wanted to start a business, you know, to work a little bit, put money aside, build a nice house, then maybe get married sometimes and then have kids when he's ready. Maybe he traveled the world first, you know, when we make our plans and we think about all the things we want to do in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years. And now there is Joseph with his fiancée who was pregnant and you know what? She was not even pregnant from him. You know, that's what I call, you know, we, we're telling this Christmas story and we think, you know, we just know this story and they're just going there and of course Jesus is born. Yes, but the personal story of these two guys, it's a different thing. And that's exactly our story, you know. As I said, you might have plans in your life and then suddenly everything changes and it takes you by surprise. There's sickness, you lose your job. A beloved one dies suddenly, 
just out of your life. And nothing is the same again. That's what I call a personal storm. And these storms, we can't always see them coming. Sometimes they just hit you by surprise. I want to take you to a passage in the Bible where Jesus comes into a storm with his disciples. We read that in Mark 4. Um, I love this story. The day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. So it seems like they were up for a nice evening boat trip. Just them and Jesus. You know, calm sea, the sunset. Maybe they had, like in Venice, they had like this, Oh, solely me. Just cruise. Just Jesus and us. There were also other boats with him. And then a furious squall or wind came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. You know, I come from a place in Switzerland, in Argau, where we have a, a small lake. It's called Halvillersee, for the ones who know. It's beautiful. But, you know, when I read that there's a storm on the lake, I think, come on, somebody. I mean, a storm on the sea, okay, I understand. But on a lake, that's not so dangerous. It's just a lake. But you know, the lake of um, Gennesaret that we have here is known for the big storms. You know why? It's 200 meters below sea level. That means that there are this warm air that is coming through the desert, over the mountains. It calls down and then it, there's the, they, they call it the fall wind that are coming into this lake. And this is suddenly bringing huge storms and you can't see them coming. So that's really a phenomenon that people know it can happen there. You never know when. And that's exactly like the storms in our life. You know, if you've lived long enough, you know storms can happen. But to be honest, usually we think or we wish that they will happen to others. Or it will happen another day. Not today. I'm here with my Jesus in this boat. Nothing is going to happen. And then suddenly you find yourself in the middle of a storm that you didn't expect. And what happens next is really strange. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Now I have a question. What does this cushion do in this story? I mean, Jesus is sleeping during the storm. And I mean... I don't know about you, but I was once in a storm on a sailboat. And after about two minutes, I was already feeding the fish. Like this. I just stay politically correct here. But it was difficult to sleep during the storm. And you know, Jesus is sleeping. And he's sleeping for a long time because the boat is almost drowning and Jesus is still sleeping. And sometimes I feel exactly the same. Through my storms of life, I think, Jesus, you're sleeping. Hello, I'm drowning. Where are you? Sleeping on a cushion? And this is the answer or the, what, what, the, what his disciple told him. And you, you, you hear the tone in this sentence. Teacher, 
Don't you care if we drown? It's like a little bit sarcastic. Teacher, hello, how is your sleep going? A little bit of wet cushion? It's a bit uncomfortable down there in the boat. You might come and see what happens up here. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Come on, what kind of a question? They were almost dying. Do you still have no faith? And you know, I was thinking about this sentence, because in the Bible it says that we all have a portion of faith. Some God gave us a portion. So when he says here, you still have no faith, what is Jesus talking about here actually? And I think he's talking about something that happens when you go through a storm. It's the quality of your faith that is changing. It's changing from a head faith of like, I know God exists to a heart faith, I know God is with me. That's what happens. And I promise you, these things happen only in the storm. That's why Jesus sometimes sleeps or just don't takes the storm away because he knows you need to learn your lesson. You need to learn that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And this is the essence of the Christmas story, you know? It's God became man so he could walk along alongside us and he knows what you're going through. And this is this quality of faith that God wants to teach us when we're in the storm. You know, that's exactly what Job experienced. When you know the story of Job, I mean, he lost everything. And after he went through this tremendous storm, what did he say? Job 42.5, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. So it's not just hearing, you know. It's not just hearing about God and going to church and just knowing that God did these great things in the Bible. No, it's about seeing with my own eyes. God at work in my life. We need to have this kind of faith that helps us through the storm. So that's the thing that God wants to teach us. The other thing that I think God wants to teach us in the storm he wants to test our boat. You know, if you want to know if your boat actually is strong enough to go through a storm, you first have to go through a storm, and then you see what is left of your boat. Because before of this, you have no clue. I have, you know, in, in Zurich, in our beloved city of Zurich, on the Sechseleuteplatz, if you know where that is, that's where the opera house is, the new, the new square there, they bought... 20 parasols for 50,000 Swiss francs. I'm not commenting the figures because it's your tax money. It's not mine. I'm from Argau. <laughs> I'm from a different place. We would never buy this in Argau. We would go into Landi and buy cheap ones. But they bought this 20 parasol for 40,000 bucks. And they had this inauguration, and they were very happy about it. And then came the first storm. That's the parasols. One storm broke. 
And that's exactly what happens in a storm. Before you get into the storm, you have no clue if the material and the, the way you are building, if it holds actually the storm. And we need to go through this to realize. And that's something that you can prepare before you go into the storm. We read that in Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. You know, the rock stands for Jesus in the Bible. So it says, if we build our life on Jesus, we might not see the storms coming, but when it comes, you stand on firm foundation. And that's something that we need to, to be aware of, you know, because we need to be ready when we go into the storm so that our house, our life, what we're building on actually holds the storm. Because if you don't do it, we continue. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, I think God somehow takes us through storms to strengthen our faith and to help us put our life on a strong foundation. And so, of course, we don't like storms. But we need storms in our life because we will get stronger after the storm than before. That's the reason why God sleeps in our boat sometimes and comes with us through the storm. And you know what I realized over the years? There's some people when they're in the storm, the thing they're doing, they're throwing Jesus out of their boat. Instead of waking him up and involving him in their storm. They're taking Jesus and throwing him out and say, Jesus, I don't want to have anything to do with you again because you put me through this trouble. I don't want to serve you anymore. And they take Jesus and put him out of the boat. So tonight, I want to really encourage you, if you're going through storm, through personal storm, through difficult stories, please, don't throw Jesus out of your boat. You need him. He's the only one who can steal your storm. We see this in the story. He stands up and he steals the storm. But you know, we were talking about these storms that take us by surprise. And I know there's many storms in our life. We don't see them coming. But I believe there are some storms that you can see coming, actually. Because not every storm can't be seen. You know, an experienced sailor on the sea, he sees the storms coming. And I believe there are some storms that we're not supposed to go through. But we go through if we don't listen to the voice of God. And if we've not, we've not learned to listen to God's voice, we might take wrong decisions and this can lead you into storms. And we need to recognize signs of storms. For instance, storms in relationships, they don't happen overnight. 
There are some signs that you need to watch so you can take right decisions. I can tell you this. I've been married for 18 years now. We've gone through many storms. And you know what? Most of the storms, if you look back, it was my fault. And her fault. But it was mine. You know why? Because I didn't recognize, I didn't listen to God's voice, I didn't take the right decisions. And then suddenly you're in the middle of a storm and you think, how did we get there? One step at a time. And I believe God wants to help us focus on his voice so that we actually see the storms coming that we're not supposed to go through. You know, there's some storms that we're supposed to go through. Because they strengthen us. But there are some storms that we should try to avoid. And how do we do this? When we listen to God's voice. And I really want to encourage you in this Christmas time. You know, Christmas time can be such a busy time. We're, we're, we're busy with presents. We're busy with uh, eating and... <laughs> yes, cooking and... <laughs> yes, all that stuff. And it can be such a busy time. But I want to encourage you to make this Christmas time a time where you actually stop and listen. Because 2018 is around the corner. There will be storms in 2018. We need to get ready for that. And you know, one of the verses that God really gave me as like a signature verse for my life over the last couple of months is Psalm 46, 11, and it says there, Be still and know that I am God. You know, I need so much to hear that. Be still. You know, in the original Hebrew translation, the word is rapa, it means shut up. <laughs> Stop! Stop it! With your smartphone, with your WhatsApp, and everything is blinking all the time. You just have to get to rest and listen to my voice. Because I am God, and you are not. And I know what 2018 will bring. And just stop and listen, and I'll show you. I want to encourage you to put that into action over the next couple of days and weeks. And get ready for what God wants to do with you in 2018. I want to ask someone on stage tonight, someone, uh, it's uh, Kimberly, she's Whitney's mother, um, and she went through difficult times this year. Different sickness that she had, blood clot and uh, infection, and she, she spent weeks and months in hospital and she's here today and I want to ask you uh, um, yes applause she came on stage and probably the same thing as I told you as I told um, it hit you by surprise I mean probably you had different plan for this year and then suddenly you have this diagnosis so just tell us what did that do with you and how did you get through this? Of course, it was a shock. It was scary initially. And it did change my life because it taught me to seek God even more. Yeah. 
And through the process, the scripture I repeated over myself was 2 Timothy 1 and 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. I repeated that over myself every day, through every situation, every hospital visit. I had to say, God, I trust you. And I am now six months clear of blood clots, a better health, and I thank God for it. Amen. You know what I love about this is she decided not to throw Jesus out of her boat because she knew Jesus is with her in the boat. And they will sing a song, and I, I really am I'm so touched about that. The song's um, name is My World Needs You. And I know that there's many people tonight, you go through storms. And you know, when I came this morning and I was praying about church, I heard God telling me that there's, there's many people here. When we look at you from the outside, everything seems to be all right. But behind that, there's storms raging. Maybe storms that no one knows. And I'm here to tell you, your world needs God. And I want to encourage you. God is in your boat. And He's with you. And He's the one who can still the storms in your life. Sometimes I wonder, when everything fails and fades away, what does remain? Why do we come to this place from near and far? Because at the end of the day, there is nothing else that remains. What would it look like to face the consequences of something so radical? What would it actually look like to follow Jesus? Friendships may fail, heroes may fail, eventually riches turn worthless. He stirs a thirst for truth, compassion and love. Nothing that this earth could ever quench. What is it that we can truly build our lives and hope on? There is one thing and one thing only when it's all said and done. He alone is our solid rock, our center and our foundation.